0: Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Freaking First Cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's BMW Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. See you. Happy Monday. Happy Lucas Glover month, Rick. Uh, he's going to win the next two, right? I don't. Too, why stop there? Why stop at two? <laughs> Do you mean 200? Because that might be more realistic at this point. I'm.
1: Listen, I know you guys recapped it yesterday on the first cut, but I'm just so impressed with how poor he was down the stretch yesterday and still able to summon... Uh, whatever he summoned to like hit some incredible shots, some incredible putts down the stretch. It was, it was actually like really cool to watch it. It wasn't just because I had a live bet on Lucas Glover.
0: Yeah, he was awesome. Now we roll on with only 50 players remaining and see, uh, we can talk about this more as we go along here, but you're going to end up rostering over 10% of the field in every single one of your lineups, So those ownership projections are going to be much different this week. And I personally feel that the further we go into this, you know, the more important game theory becomes.
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, I think there might be a couple of guys in your lineup where you're like, listen, I think this guy is like really good is really going to outpace his price, but he's going to be popular or he's really good. And I think he's going to win this tournament. And I think you know, a couple of guys like that are okay to play, but I think you've got to try to get weird here. It's hard to get weird with roster construction since it's so condensed, but listen, there are some guys that people are just not going to want to play. I mean, for example, Rick, Wyndham Clark, uh, I looked on Rick Rungood. Uh, I saw what his ball striking was last week. Uh-huh. He lost over 11 strokes off the tee and on approach. Like, I just got to think people aren't going to want to play people like that. And I'm not saying you should play Wyndham Clark. I'm saying those are the types of people
0: to consider because of the recency bias that golf and any other sport contains. All right. Well, let me take a quick pause before we dive even further into this and remind people that uh, the fan vote, the form for this week's one and done is in the description so go on get your vote in and uh see if you can make a run at Mark in the top of the board with 3.6 million on the line this week uh 7.2 million on the line for next week. See, so yeah, this is Olympia Fields Country Club. It is the BMW Championship. Troy, if you want to share my screen, I will pull up the scorecard from this event. We have seen it once before 2020 and it played quite difficult. The fourth most difficult course on the schedule for that year. Uh, Very different than other BMW championships we've seen where guys got to like 25, 26, 27 under. So uh, we kind of have to figure out what the skill set is for this week. So it's interesting because
1: I I agree this is going to be really tough. There's just a lot of bunkers and 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 some some water hazards but just some just some trouble off the tee that you're not really going to want to get involved with however rick i listened to your show earlier today and i think you're right i mean it's almost it's almost as if you're containing all the golfers when you said this but i don't think you are necessarily i think you know let me paraphrase you said earlier you're going to have to like play both sides of the extremes here. You're going to have to play. Um, you're going to have to buy into the accuracy theory to just have, you know, just a nice approaches coming in, or at least fairway approaches coming in or the bomber theory. And when you look at 2020, it looks like the, the, a lot of the bombers, some of the accurate hitters were in there too, but a lot of these guys who maybe we don't conceive of as super accurate, um, but have the distance. And maybe you want to match that up with the, the T to green metrics just to like, see if, if those match up, but it's, it's bombers and it's accurate hitters, right? I mean, you can, you can go either way with it.
0: Yeah. It, it, it reminds me a lot, uh, off the tee of Oak Hill where you, it, you know, it's long, it's 7,300 yards on a par 70. Both fives are over 600 yards. The fairways are quite narrow, about 25, 26, 27 yards wide. It's tree lined and it's going to have these little subtle dog legs that, effectively make those landing zones even smaller it reminds me a lot of oak hill in that manner and it when you have a situation where a lot of guys are missing fairways distance matters think of winged foot uh but if you are one of the guys who never misses a fairway that's your path. So it was a lot like, it was also um, the way that Royal Liverpool broke down too, is you had guys who could drive it over the trouble, you know, your Rory McElroy's and your Cam Young's and all these guys. And then you had Brian Harmon who never played into the trouble because he was constantly playing out of the, out of the fairway and he was shorter. I, I don't want guys that are in the middle of either. I don't want medium length drivers who are medium accuracy. I want either elite distance or elite accuracy, because I think those are the only two ways to separate yourself.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, You either kind of want to guarantee you're mostly going to be in the fairway uh, with like that elite accuracy, or you're going to want to guarantee that you're going to be able to get it out of the rough
0: um, on your approach. Uh, Some of those bomber hitters are obviously in play for that. The other thing, so it's only one year of history, Sia. So we can, I mean, we can look at it and it's, you know, from, it's from 2020. And you mentioned the, the bombers that were around here and I'll actually open this up to everybody. So like Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, and Neiman, Hideki Matsuyama, Tony Finau, Jason Kokrak, Matt Fitzpatrick were some of the, the guys at the top of the leaderboard. And, you know, when you look at only one year's worth of data coming from three years ago, how much weight will you put on any of the course history conversation well to me this
1: i'm not going to put a lot of weight on it but but to me this just sort of ratifies what we just said what we just talked about i mean you've got like your brendan todd's in there um but for, for a majority of this and brian Harmon, of course who you mentioned a majority of this is the guys who are just going to, you know, generally hit it far and be really good tee to green players. Um, You know, Ben On is interesting to me. He's the guy that sticks out who I don't usually play, but he's, he's sort of on my list uh this week of, of players to potentially play. So um I think this matches up exactly with what you're talking about. I think the accuracy hitters, uh, like as we can see, like are, are kind of few and far between here. But then again... You know, I, well, I, this field, was this a regular field in 2020? Was this a was this a 70 person field or
0: It was a 70? Yeah. OK, it, it would have been the second leg of the playoffs with 70. So yeah.
1: typically you're getting more like more of those longer hitters, more of those bombers in those types of fields, which is part of the reason we're probably seeing only a smattering of like the Brian Harmons and the Brendan Todd. But with that said, I mean, it does seem like the bombers are very much in play here.
0: Again, only one year worth of data, but uh, fairway hit percentage was pretty low. Green and regulation percentage was pretty low based on tour standards. I already mentioned it was the fourth most difficult course on the schedule. I do think that around the green play will be pretty interesting this week. So again, you you just have to find ways to separate yourself. And, And we have a lot of the conversation, Sia, around... What Bryson did to Winged Foot, which is if everybody misses the fairway, the bombers are the best. Well, if everyone misses Greens, the short game guys are the best, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen, we've seen Patrick Reed do this to, to some levels of success in his career. When you get to golf courses where everyone's playing from greenside, that's how he separates himself. So there are, um, you know, I, I, we're probably gonna spend a lot of time talking about driving because, you know, you get a perfect lie. Everybody starts from the same spot. It's the easiest thing to kind of model out and quantify and compare one golfer against another. But there, uh, I, I don't want to overlook the fact that there are other ways to separate yourself. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, the around the green play, I think, is definitely it's usually something I don't weigh a ton. But in in this tournament, I'm going to take a pretty strong, heavy look at it. I usually bake it into your weighted tee to green stuff on Rick Run Good. But yeah, just looking at it independently, I mean, you know, one name that comes to mind that's probably going to be pretty popular, that kind of fits everything that we just talked about. And maybe this is the professional segue into the 10K range, Rick, but Patrick Cantlay, people are going to want to play him, right? Because it looks like Patrick Cantlay is sort of back to the Cantlay that we, you know, we thought we might have most of the season. And he was a, he was a, he crushed it around the green last week. I mean, he, he certainly has
0: all aspects of the game. Yeah. Let's talk about that 10K range, but first we are going to pay the bills and take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Here's my website, rickrungood.com. Everything you see uh, the rest of the way will probably be from here. So here's the cheat sheet, and we've got golfers from 12100 down to $5,500. We are extending the universe a little bit again this week, and it's a bunch of names above 10K. Rory McIlroy is 12-1, Scotty Scheffler eleven six. John Rahm eleven two. the back-to-back defending champion, Patrick Cantlay at 10 5. Victor Hovland 10 3. Xander Schofield at $10,100. And then we rounded out with Jordan Spieth at $10,000 even. See us. So uh, do you just want to start with Patrick Cantlay? You want to go in a different direction? <laughs> what do you want to do here at the top? Well, I want to state that I think Patrick Cantlay is, is going to be popular.
1: I think Rory McElroy is going to be popular. I mean, I mean, I'll start like okay. So let's start with Patrick Cantlay. I mean, let's look what he did around the green. Three of the last four tournaments. I mean, the guy is like this is this is the type of trend you're looking for because I think around the green, Rick. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. I mean, it does it does have its points where I think it can be like a little random, but like. Patrick Cantlay, to the extent he's been sort of checkered on approach, he has really made up for it around the green. And we saw the approach play, you know, it was okay last week, but he certainly popped on approach recently, for example, at the travelers off the tee. He's great. Um, You know, it's surprising though, looking at this profile that he finished second at at the FedEx St. Jude, because we didn't see a great putter overall. We didn't see great approach, but he found a way to get it done. And on a course like this, where it's going to be really tough, you're probably looking for guys that kind of manufacture that Cameron Smith type guy that can manufacture a way to get it done. And it looks like Cantlay, while he's more accurate than Cameron Smith, um, is that dude.
0: We are now a year removed from the last time Patrick Cantlay lost strokes off the tee. Literally the FedEx St. Jude of last year, 2022. So we are a year removed. I think that... That is often overlooked. I don't think people realize how good off the tee Patrick Cantlay is because he doesn't, I mean, he is it far enough. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's not, it doesn't look good. You know, he's kind of more of a well-rounded golfer, but he is one of the best off the tee. I will be interested to see what uh, the industry does with him. Obviously, he has won this event Twice, you know, you mentioned Rory McElroy here, Sia. And for the first time that I can remember, uh, Scotty Scheffler has been dethroned from the last 36 kingdom, right? So, last 36 rounds is kind of my default way to look at this. Scotty Scheffler has been top dog for what seems like all summer long until now. Rory McElroy just edged him out 2.58 strokes gained per round to 2.54 for Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Rory has been great off the tee, as you can imagine. The approach play is elite. The putter, despite changing the flat stick, has been a positive in nine straight. I I get why Rory's going to be popular. I get why he's going to be popular too. And I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Again, we're talking DFS here. I wouldn't be surprised if people try to jam in Both these guys that we just talked about, Roy and Patrick Cantley, because there's so much win equity at the top, especially on these tougher courses. For the record, I I just did that. Cantley and Roy Roy McIlroy. It doesn't leave you much. But then again, Rick, you open with that. There's a 5K range and we get four rounds. So if you want to if you want to open up the pricing and you throw a 5500 guy and you throw a 6600 guy with those two guys, all of a sudden it leaves you. 7650. Now you can work with that. Maybe a seven K guy, then maybe a dip back up into the eight K range. I think that's gonna be an interesting construction. But back to Rory, I'm actually surprised he didn't play better yesterday, um, even though he was fine. But like he had a swagger to him. I mean, I, you know, I just, like the first couple of holes, I think he missed that short birdie putt on one, and then it, maybe he he had a birdie streak right after that. He just had a certain, like, energy about him where I was like, man, this guy's this guy's about to win this tournament, and if not this one, it's going to be the next one. By the way, last week, he led the field ball striking. He led the field off the tee. I mean, that's exactly what we're looking for, and there's no issues with this short game in spite of losing a little bit around the green. So he's probably, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm usually,
0: like, the detractor. Um, he's probably my favorite guy in this range. He's gained at least nine strokes ball striking in four of his last five. It's dumb. I mean, it's silly what he's been doing. And it's weird because it's, it's quote, only one win during that stretch. So Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, uh, Victor Hovland, Xander Schauffele, Jordan Spieth are the others in this range. Sia, do you have a lean? Is there a guy that you're a little bit worried about? What else can we discuss here at the top of the board? You know, when we dive into
1: game theory a little bit here, I, I, there's two names that come to mind. And it's so funny that I'm saying this, but like, I wonder if people, I mean, people are going to play Scotty Scheffler. So like the, like it, my my whole point point in even bringing him up is because people might want to just save the 1100 and go down to Cantley or Hovland or just pay up for Roy McElroy. So maybe he gets squeezed a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's Scotty Scheffler. I think Xander is the game theory play. I think people are going to play Hopland for obvious reasons. I think that's right. I don't want to play Xander, but again, from a game theory standpoint, um, he does make sense. I mean, losing that much off the tee at the FedEx St. Jude, that's that's kind of strange. I don't expect that to replicate itself. Otherwise, he was pretty good. I mean, gained everywhere
0: else. It's. I think he's definitely the, um, the guy that has the least momentum in terms of what the industry Uh, perceives for Xander of the expensive guys. You know, the last time he finished inside the top 10 was the Wells Fargo. He finished T10 at the U.S. Open, but the putters cooled off a little bit. Um, The tee to green plays cooled off a little bit. He's not doing anything spectacular. He hasn't been in the mix of these tournaments. it, It is kind of bizarre. I'm not super excited, but we've seen plenty, Sia, that, you know, these elite guys... They don't need to foreshadow wins with great play. They can kind of just get right back into form and be great. And it's not like Xander's been bad. It's just, it's just he hasn't been as good as everybody else. Yeah,
1: and you know, it's funny though, like because I agree with the sentiment that like these elite guys can turn it on. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Xander's one of the best in the world. I, I, I wonder if he's in that, if he's in that stratosphere right now, or if he has been in that stratosphere this entire year. I, I just. I don't know that he's that that guy, but but that, that's the good news, right? We only have fifty players in this in this field, so what does that tell me? It tells me that most people are going to share, probably are going to be closer to my opinion, which means he's probably going to be low owned, and he's probably a good uh, game theory play.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, you mentioned Victor Hovland; he's, I, I think. We know we talk about him a lot. This is probably a really good place for him to to drive the ball. If it reminds you a lot of Oak Hill or reminds me a lot of Oak Hill, he was in the mix uh, until the last couple of holes there. Jordan Spieth, coming off a sixth place finish last week, he actually found a lot of fairways, which is encouraging, but I don't... I don't know what he's going to do after that. He's lost on approach in three of his last four. The putter hasn't been as good either. He chipped in a couple times last week, which is going to boost those numbers. Like what's your, what's your state of the union here on Jordan? I think I'm going to be okay. If I see a player that's trending with the
1: short game and that's good off the tee and hasn't really been great on approach. I, I think I'm willing to defer to that type of player at this tournament more than I would or at this course more than I would in 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 other courses so I don't mind Spieth I, I'm not I'm not like in a rush to play him at 10,000 but he's one of those when we see ownership on Wednesday if people are ignoring him and Sandra, I, I feel like I almost have to choose one of them make a decision on one of them to put at least in some of my lineups and be over the field in those lineups with one of one of two of those guys and
0: Spieth would be the guy I would lean to Okay, fair enough. Let's roll to the 9K range here. We've got Colin Morikawa, 9,800, Tommy Fleetwood, 97, Max Homa, 95. Then the bottom of that range is Hideki, Sungjae, Ricky Fowler, Lucas Glover, everyone, and Terrell Hatton. So uh, let's just go to Glover here. Back-to-back wins. He now gets a big price increase to $9,100. Um, it, it, <laughs> it Maybe just goes for three in a row. It's funny to see him ahead
1: of Terrell Hatton, but I don't know that it's completely unjustified the way he's been playing. The one thing I'll say about him, first of all, 9100 is is pretty rich. I wonder what the ownership's going to be. He did look really gassed on really Saturday. We started to see the approach numbers fall off for him. And then Sunday, it was just honestly, I don't understand how he won. It was a train wreck on Sunday. Listen, relative to what we've seen, greens and regulation, finding fairways like this was not the Lucas Glover we've seen over the last four or five, six weeks. And he just he just rocked it with the putter. I mean, some of those putts, listen, like a lot of those, they just don't go in normally. And he was making them consecutively. So I think he's fine to play. I I, I don't think I'm going to like this will be the tournament where I probably don't play him in DFS because of the price. And maybe he'll be a little popular. But listen, I don't hate it.
0: I... I think this is, it's it's bizarre, right? Because I actually think this is probably one of the better spots for him. You know, he is not long off the tee. He's quite accurate. And then he is one of the better approach players. And we kind of know what he's been doing with the flat stick. You know, if this, if we just look at, I mean, fourth, sixth, fifth, miscut, win, win. And if that was fourth, sixth, fifth, miscut, win, third, wouldn't we be all over this?
1: Maybe, but well, first of all, two things would, would occur. Like his price would be lower. He'd probably be like 8,600 instead of 9,100. Um, I, you're making a good argument. Like, I don't really have an argument against Lucas Glover, honestly, but if I'm comparing him to who is around him, like I'll tell you, for example, Sung Jay I'm going to be more inclined to, to play versus Lucas Glover at this point, because I do think that Lucas Glover, we might see just a slight decline there. And for the record, I like Sung Jay this week. He was fifth. Be- he was fifth best uh, ball striking in the field last week. Small loser with the short game. Um, I I think the ball striking might be back for him, though. So I I think he's an interesting play at 9,300.
0: It is just kind of a social experiment of, you know, do you feel like you are chasing Lucas Glover? Or do you feel like, you know, there are some people who have gotten ceiling weeks out of Glover the last two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So it really, what's crazy is a lot of people will make their decision on what to do with Lucas Glover based on the decision that they made the last two weeks, which is probably the wrong way to do it.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. That, that is. And I played him in DFS the last two weeks, so maybe a little bit longer than that. But for whatever reason, I'm I think I'm more inclined to jump off. But to be honest, like this really does come down to ownership. I think the ownership is going to be kind of flat in that range. So I don't think ownership is necessarily going to dictate what you're going to do with Lucas Glover. Um, but I think I'm gonna ride the narrative that just he's just he's on empty a little bit, and I don't think we're gonna see anything close to what we've seen the last two weeks.
0: You mentioned Sung Jam I've pulled up his stat profile here and he is starting to look a lot more like Sungjae, uh, finally after maybe two months of some up and down play but the ball striking was sound around tpc southwind he's starting to put together that well-rounded but uh led by ball striking stat profile again he's playing back to kind of what his what i would say his dna is so that 14th and that sixth in his last two three top 20s in his last four this is this is what you like to see i imagine see
1: Absolutely. I mean, I just think uh, if we're seeing the old Sanjay, I think this is a, just a fine course fit. And I think the price is really good, too. And, and I don't think he's going to be super list 9k range is so interesting like do people go back to colin morikawa I'm, I'm not 100 sure about that i think some people will tommy fleetwood for sure i mean we probably should talk about him yeah. max homa has been flashing hideki has been flashing so how much really pours down to guys like sung jm to ricky fowler who had a bad week last week i think that's where you're going to see the game theory come in for me at least but I, I i for the record i don't know that i'm going back to Colin morikawa this week but I do like Max Homa, and, I, and it's hard not to like Tommy Fleetwood at this.
0: Yeah, point. Yeah, I've planted my flag on Morikawa. I, I think it's, I think it's all good, and I think it's, I think it's just a matter of time before he starts winning again and all that fun stuff. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of in it for a while. Here's the Tommy mm-hmm. profile though, and outside of the miscut, of the travelers, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who's got a stat profile as as good as this, or at least results as good as this. You know, second, fifth miscut, sixth, tenth, third, and doing it in pretty well-rounded fashion uh this is the guy this is the exact guy though sia that i worry about from like the medium medium guy he's not Mm -hmm. he's like middle of the road distance middle of the road accuracy now that is that did not stop him from playing well at the renaissance club it hasn't stopped him from playing well at other places i mean t18 at, at oak hill earlier this year so that could be be me just taking something a little bit too seriously and having a blind spot on Tommy Fleetwood, but these results are phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I see what you're saying with with the the sort of like the medium medium thing, but he's been so good that I feel like he sort of transcends that that sure, logic. Yeah. He's like one of a couple guys that transcends that logic. And honestly if it's not for Sunday, like every Sunday, this guy will it. I'm not saying he had a terrible Sunday, but if you look if we go round by round here, I promise you this. you are going to see a Sunday that where where he probably lost across most of his metrics and wasn't even close to what he was the first three rounds. and I'm and i'm I'm sure you're bringing that up. But uh, the point is, I, I think Tommy Fleetwood is um, I think he's a great play. And I think I truly think he's due to win. Uh,
0: well, you promised me. So let's see. Last week, Sunday was his worst round. The week before that, Sunday was not his worst, but like it was not nearly as good as the rest of the week. Scottish Open Sunday was his worst round. Travelers, he missed the cut, so it doesn't count. Uh, oh, then he did that thing that he always does at every U.S. Open where he shoots the course <laughs> record and nothing comes out of it. Yeah, you're right. Here you go. P.J. Championship, the worst round of the week was on. The only the only round he lost that week was, was the final round. RBC Heritage, same thing. Yeah, he's got a little Sunday problem. A little Sunday problem. Uh, But even if – so
1: that's the thing, though. Even if that's the case, at 9,700, if his Sunday problem is a T3, like he's not exactly hurting you. So I think he's one of those guys that that absolutely – um, is, is a solid play. The problem is let's see how 9,700 is rich for Tommy Fleetwood. Let's see how popular he is because people are going to look at those metrics and they're going to say to themselves, uh, I might have to play Tommy Fleetwood this week.
0: There are uh, two golfers in this range who underperformed last week, Ricky Fowler, 58th, Terrell Hatton, 43rd. If you were required to play one of them, uh, and only one of them, which one would it be?
1: I would probably go to Terrell Hatton. Cause I think maybe there's just a bit more upside with him. Uh, but it's, it's tough because I, the, the, the problem with Terrell Hatton is I feel like as an industry, like we are and I'm, I'm very much included in this. I feel like we talk about him a little bit more than we should almost. And we kind of prop him up a little bit more than we should. And then when he sort of disappoints, like he did last week, uh, We're super surprised. And and listen, the metrics look good, but there's nothing like super outstanding about this. And I just, I do think he can get hot. I feel like he's a great showdown play tournament to tournament, but I'm starting to wonder if he's a guy that like we can rely on to have a win and then in a top three finish right after that, like if he's going to consistently be a great guy. And we saw it in June, but I don't know. I think I'm out on Hatton, but if it's between those two, I think I'm going to go with Terrell. Hmm.
0: It's a really good question. Uh, Pat myself on the back for asking for asking that question. I don't know the answer to it. (sighs) I want it to be Ricky, but I'm not sold that it is. Mm -hmm. I just think Hatton's more inclined to get red
1: hot. We get four guaranteed rounds. I feel like Hatton's more inclined to get red hot for like two days than Ricky Fowler's. They both can. I just think it's, it's Hatton's world when it comes to that. And it's not a knock
0: because it's kind of normal. Ricky has not been as good since the win. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been bad, but it just hasn't been as good. Um, okay, anything else in this 9K range, or should we keep it on moving down the list?
1: Well, I think Hideki's interesting. Um, again, this comes down to ownership. Like, is is are people going to play Hideki? Uh, there's a lot of other guys you can play in that range, uh, and the, the metrics don't jump off the page. Um, but again, from a game theory standpoint, he might be a guy to play.
0: Uh, He had that good finish at Olympia Fields in 2020, finished T3, gained six strokes around the green, but two off the tee. Interesting. Okay, Uh, let's keep rolling here. We'll get to the 8K range, the sevens, the sixes, and those pesky fives. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back.
1: We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. new cases to be solved double tap to the chest same caliber as the murder weapon and new criminals to catch that's the bomb maker. where's the bomb a new ncis monday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus
0: this is sandra hereda from attacking third a podcast part of the cbs sports Veloso network dedicated to all things women's soccer With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and attacking third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. And we're back. The eights led by Corey Connors, Wyndham Clark, Tom Kim, Jason Day, Cameron Young, Sam <sighs> Burns, Tony Finau, Russell Henley, Brian Harmon, and Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh boy, this is these are the underperformers for the most part. You look at almost everybody in this 8K range except for Corey Connors and Russell Henley, and they probably had themselves a disappointing week in Memphis. So. Is there an opportunity or opportunities to buy low?
1: Yeah, you know Tom Kim wasn't bad. He he had a poor finish to his tournament. Wyndham Clark, I mean, like I, I don't even know what to say about him because when you lose that much, like I, I don't want to say he gave up. Like to me, I, is this injury related? Like what? How do you possibly on? I don't know how you do that at, at a course that's not that doesn't demand a ton to lose 11.53
0: ball strike. I will look it up later, but I'm assuming he must have had multiple water balls. I, yeah. I mean there's the only way to lose five off the tee and six and a half on approach and be Wyndham Clark is to find the water many times, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing, and we've known this about Wyndham Clark, he is very long, very inaccurate. I think this is a great little crossover to Oak Hill. He missed the cut at Oak Hill. I I'm a big believer in Wyndham Clark, but I am taking a pause, and I'm very interested to see what he does this week. But I will probably not be involved in it. His accuracy, and, and I just just
1: for the heck of it, I did the last twelve rounds just to see who's like really kind of coming in hot. I think it's the worst in the field. I mean, I'm like scrolling. It, I, it's. Forty nine point two percent. Yeah. I like mean, don't, he's, he's don't see those it. numbers.
0: He sprays it. Yeah. That's kind of his thing. And and yeah, it's not it's not great. So anyway, let's get to guys I actually like. Uh There's a
1: few guys I like. I mean, Cameron Young is really interesting to me. I mean, when you look, at, especially if you look at the last few tournaments oh. off the tee ball striking. uh He's pretty great, actually. So uh, I think Cameron Young at 8,500 is a pretty tremendous sort of boom or bust option. But I, I like the boom more than I like the bust. Uh, I think Connors is interesting. I think Henley and Harmon are, are really smart, like kind of easy plays. Um, that's pretty much who I'm interested in in the 8K. Right yeah, now.
0: let's, I mean, Russell Henley, hat tip. You know, the, the runner-up finish, which was obviously a disappointed, disappointment at the Wyndham because he was in the lead for so long, backs it up with just a Russell-esque T6 right? So now he's got top 20s in six of eight, with two of them being top sixes and his two most recent. The, so, so Henley's the other guy. Henley is the, the Brendan Todd, Brian Harmon blueprint, which has hit a ton of fairways, which by the way, is probably the number one. Yeah, he's the most accurate player in the field off the tee. And then he is basically a top 25 approach player In the world. And while he's not a great putter, he can get hot with the putter and he's a small positive around the green. This is you're actually not even asking Russell Henley to do anything more than he has been doing all year long to fit this course really well.
1: Yeah, and it's probably why at this price he's going to be pretty popular because it's hard to ignore those finishing positions and the metrics and be like, yeah, I'm going to be all for Russell Henley this week. So, I mean, it's just something to keep in mind. But I, Henley, see, honestly, Henley and Harmon seem like great plays to me guys that are kind of relatively short, but are going to do the things that that this course may ask for in terms of like, well, if you're not a bomber, what what do you need to do? And I think Harmon and Henley fit that profile pretty well.
0: Yeah, I wanted to look at Harmon's round by round stuff because I thought he got off to a good start last week. Or am I making that up? Oh, no, he got off to a bad start and then he kind of bounced back. So he loses two and a half strokes, which is that's his first round since winning the Open. He loses two and a half strokes and then he gains a third of a stroke, one and a half, a third. That's I'm, I'm in on this. I bet you his final three rounds were some of the best in the field. I mean, not like the best, but some of the best. Let's see. Where are you? Brian Harmon, uh, 2.96 over the final three rounds. So that'd be like one, two, three, four, five, six, like this eighth best score over the course of those three final rounds after winning the open. I think I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, that's solid. I mean, I'm I'm a Harman guy. I like him quite a
0: bit. Tony Finau. There are some shocking. There are some shocking numbers that came out of last week. Tony Finau lost over eight strokes, putting the worst of his career. Continues a trend of just being lost with the flat stick. Will Will? Okay, because we have the small only one sample. Of Olympia Fields data, we talked about how we will use it. Will Will those guys like Finau, like Hideki, even John Rom, to an extent, will they be overused because of the only time we've ever played here, they've played well? In Tony Finau's case, I, I don't think that's going
1: to happen. I mean, it's just we haven't seen anything since Mexico. We haven't seen anything from Tony Finau. So um, I haven't been on him in quite some time. I haven't regretted it. And this is going to be the same thing this tournament. Now, listen, again, it's only 50 players. If everybody thinks that, then I'm willing to speculate on Tony Finau here and there. But uh, it's a
0: no for me. So who do we even like in this? So you said Cam Young you're interested in, Russell Henley, Brian Harmon kind of down at the bottom.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'd be willing to play Clark if he, if he ends up being contrarian. But to me, it's Connors, it's Young, it's Henley, it's Harmon.
0: I don't like Young as much as you do, and I like Burns more than I should, which is just, I just hate myself. But <laughs> it's true. He played better. He played better on the weekend. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, Fitzpatrick's all. I mean, it, it is also interesting to see, and this happens every single year. You just wonder if some of these guys are worn out. You know, it's been it's been a long year for a lot of these guys. And we see this every year. Denny McCarthy has run into a wall. Matt Fitzpatrick has run into a wall. Wyndham Clark might have just ran into a wall. Tony Finau might have ran into a wall. Like there are guys that just legit look gassed. Fitzpatrick like that. That
1: is I mean, listen, (laughs) we keep talking about game theory because it's a 50 person field. We kind of have to if you want to put like Fitzpatrick and and Wyndham Clark in a lineup together, you're going to be different.
0: You'll FYI. be the only one <laughs> might not be so bad. 7k range. So this goes from Justin Rose, Cam Davis down to Keegan Bradley, Sahith, uh, Benny who's played well recently is in the mix. JT Poston in here as well. Cam Davis in here as well. How do you want to allocate in this area?
1: So Cam Davis makes a lot of sense. Uh, played him last week. It certainly worked out. I uh, like him. A Siwoo Kim, I think, is really interesting. We, You know, he finished T-16, which I think would surprise some people. He lost a bunch with the putter, almost three strokes. But he was third in the field ball striking last week. So I think if he's just not going to be a popular name because he's just sort of been out of people's consciousness uh, in terms of, like, doing really well the last few tournaments, I think he's very interesting. I mentioned Ben On. Uh, again, last 12 rounds, I'm really kind of hyper-focused on, on the last 12 just for this stat. But fifth, weighted off the tee, and we know he's good off the tee anyway. A couple of other guys, just two other guys that I think are sneaky. Sepp Straka, coming off a poor tournament, but actually had a, a pretty great Sunday, which I think speaks volumes about him just in general. He was fifth worst in the field putting. And I again, we know Sepp Straka can be bad with the putter, but we know he can find the putter as well. His approach has been great. Uh, in general and his putter can get hot. So I think he's interesting at 7,300 coming off a bad tournament. And then the last guy who I think is super sneaky at 7,100 Keegan Bradley. Um, first of all, the accuracy has been okay. The greens and regulation has been great. Uh, he seems like a pretty good course fit, kind of more leaning towards that Brian Harmon fit, even though he's a lot longer than Brian Harmon. Uh, I think Keegan is, it has like the sort of course profile to do well here and 7,100 is a great price, obviously.
0: The one that you mentioned that got my attention was Benny on he uh, you know and I said something about Russell Henley like I'm not asking him to do anything more than what he's already been doing and I feel the same way about Ben on as well. He's one of the best drivers that we have. He gains three four five strokes off the tee seemingly every single week. I don't know what I'm going to get from him on approach, but he is capable of gaining five and he's capable of losing five. I'm okay with either, right? Just the idea that he could have that upside, I'm fine with. And then he's a positive around the green player and he's been positive with the putter. I am I will just take, if you just gave me one of these last 10 stat profiles at random from Ben on this week, and you said, yeah, I guarantee you're going to get one of these 10, I'd be thrilled.
1: Yeah, this is a this is sort of a watered down version of that Patrick Cantlay profile that I said I was willing to accept, which is a little checkered on approach, but everything else off the tee short game. He's checking the boxes. So
0: I I like Ben on a lot this week. Uh, I'll continue to do the Emiliano Grillo thing. Uh, Hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens. He's putting better. Didn't um, kind of faded after a really hot start, but he finished 20th last week. That's fine. Uh, So now he's got three straight top 20s. I'm not not particularly buying the Taylor Moore stuff. He's got two good finishes in a row, but I'm not not ready to buy into that. Agree on on Taylor Moore quite a bit. Mm. Jt Poston's the uh, Jt Poston is the cheaper Tommy Fleetwood that scares me because he's a medium medium guy, but I can't deny the results. Four top sevens in his last six, and he is he is a. <laughs> like the 2023 version of 2020 Webb Simpson, where Webb was phenomenal from fairway through green, but might lose you two, three or four strokes on a, off the tee, that's JT Poston right now. I think the problem with Poston is that he's not particularly
1: accurate and he's not particularly long either. So he yeah. doesn't like he's not on either side of the narrative there. Yeah, he's 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 medium, medium. <laughs> He's not even medium, medium, in my opinion. He's like, like he's like like low, low, (laughs) a little bit low to medium, low to medium.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I, I agree, but he's like really good everywhere else. And he can get so hot with the putter, man. It's like, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 6k. So these, so we got two little ranges left, a little 6k range and a little 5k range. Uh, The sixes are Hadwin and Putnam down to Lee Hodges and Chris Kirk. Brendan Todd's in here. Obviously, Brendan Todd had, has the best finish of anybody remaining in this field that we haven't talked about yet in 2020. That was an eighth place finish. So what do you want to do here in the sixes?
1: Well, I like Todd, but I think Todd's going to feel like very comfortable uh, with people just based on what you just said and then the the apparent course fit there. So I think he's going to be somebody I, I don't end up playing, but I think he's fine. Uh, Adam Shank is just interesting to me, uh, just in general, a monster on approach on his way to T, uh, T6 last week. Uh, a few other names svensson at 6200 uh the one thing i want to point about uh, point out about him when the ball striking is on with svensson it it is truly on and he was really bad with the putter last week so if he can turn that around which we've seen lately like his putter's been just fine uh, i think he's really sneaky at 6200 uh chris kirk at 6000 great approach in ball striking last week uh, lost with the short game two other names Well, one other name I'm going to support. One other I just want to mention because I just – Rick, I want your opinion on this guy. Lee Hodges is the name that I like, but we don't have to talk about Lee Hodges too much. We've been on him for quite some time. Very few weaknesses. uh, Short game, that's pretty much it. Um, Here's English, though. How do you – he led the field on approach last week and lost over three strokes everywhere else. That's tough to do.
0: And uh, uh, two straight weeks of – Gaining basically six strokes on approach and losing (laughs) everywhere else.
1: I mean, obviously that's not the profile we're looking for here. I just think that's super interesting how you can gain that much on approach and like finish way outside of relevance.
0: This is so far from Harris English's DNA is what I worry about. You know, he Mm. is historically a well-rounded golfer who can cut like and We've seen it here. We saw it when he won the travelers. We saw it when he won the tournament champions, we saw it during his, during his best days. And obviously those seem like they're behind him, but this is you, you have to go out and out hit every other part of your game. And you're doing it in now increasingly more difficult fields. This, this feels like we are playing with fire right now.
1: Yeah. The thing about English though, and uh, forgive me for not knowing the answer here, but he's really short or he's been really short. And and I wonder, is that what this issue is? I mean, this is a longer course than what we had last week, but I, is that really the issue with Harris-English? Um, Is he at least being – is he at least accurate, which the numbers are showing me that he has been.
0: He's more accurate than he is long for sure. I'm just trying to look through some of this other stuff and see if I can find anything that might be – It might be rough. It's so bizarre. And even, even if you look at the, the averages don't even tell the whole story, right? I mean, you just look at some weeks, he's the best putter in the world. Mm -hmm. Some weeks, he's the best approach player in the world. He can never match them up. There's no sign that any of them are coming. (laughs) Right? I mean, this is truly, truly a bizarre profile. Well, it's been a bizarre
1: season. Harris English is your winner at the BMW Championship. You're oh, welcome, everybody.
0: He probably is. Um, <laughs> I like Svensson a lot. You, you know, it's funny. It's not funny. I shouldn't laugh, but like he got hot in the fall, won, and then like went on break right? The season mm-hmm. ends and like, he's finally playing well again. And like the season's about to end. Right, It's like, dude, you got to get hot in the summer. Like you got to get hot in the spring and, and run this for like six, eight, 10 weeks. But no, this is, this is, this is good stuff. What you're seeing basically gaining off the T and four straight, gaining on approach and four straight an 11 stroke difference in two weeks between his putter. Good. Mm-hmm. And bad to good, like that's fine. Who cares about that? Yeah. Um, So I think Spenton is, is, is quite interesting as well. That 5k range. These are the final guys into the field, Eventually. Nick Taylor, Seamus Power, Tom Hoagie, Kurt Kidiama, Patrick Rogers. Nick Taylor had the best finish last week; that was twenty fourth. Um, Seamus Power has been generally not very good uh, in in recent in recent months. Is there anybody that could offer any semblance of confidence be, for the salary relief that they would offer? Nick
1: Taylor, I played him last week. I'm I'm happy with that. Um, I think Tom Hoagie is a possibility there if he's just super dialed in with the ball striking. Um, Uh, Looking at Nick Taylor last week, I mean, that's, that's pretty great because we like, listen, it's the short game that really was the issue with him, but the ball striking has been really good in two out of the last three. And the putter is usually just like a barely a negative. So I don't know the short game is obviously a problem for him. So maybe that's where he gets tripped up. But I think in the 5k range, Nick Taylor, Tom Hoagie, I think Patrick Rogers at a flat 5,500 is a guy I would be willing to speculate on as well, just because lately, Greens in regulation, um, it's been a little higher, and I'm just looking for something to hang my hat on.
0: God, these guys are, this is, it's not bad. I mean, I think Nick Taylor's objectively the best option because at least that he, at least he has, while he has missed cuts, he has. The runner-up at Zurich, that was a team event. He's got the win at the Canadian Open, the 19th at the Renaissance Club, and then the 24th last week, which was like probably his best stat profile since the RBC Canadian Open. Mm-hmm. So that, I think he is objectively the best option in the in the 5K range. Yep, I agree. Anything or anyone else before we get into the narrative portion of the show?
1: Well, you know, as we look at the screen right now, the one guy we didn't mention... Is John Rahm? I'm just I'm just curious. Are you willing to go to John Rahm this week?
0: Yes, I am. Um, You know, I think this is a good spot for him, right? I mean, the ability to to drive it. I I'm I'm happy to look past the two strokes he lost off the tee because a lot of that was hitting it into the water. You're not going to probably not going to drive it in, in water around here. The the creeks don't. They don't really run like that. So I think he'll get back to being a, a plus two, plus three off the tee player. And I think this is a much better setup for him than TPC Southwind was.
1: Fair enough. All right.
0: All right. Let us suspend logic and reason. Let's have a little fun. Strokes game narrative. If you want to get involved, uh, follow Sia on Twitter and uh, use the hashtag SG narrative. Send in a lineup for anything that you would like, as long as there is some type of theme. Troy, what do we have? Tim Thomas, I got to make my screen bigger. Hold on a second. Tim Thomas says, here's one with some famous Chicago athletes. Now we're talking Michael Jordan Spieth, piece of cake. Patrick Kane Tully That's a combination of Patrick. Cantley and Patrick Kane, John Ron Santo. So that would be Ron Santo, John Rom. right? That's right. And he's a baseball player, was a baseball player. Jim, t- this is good because Jim Tohme used to play for the Phillies. So Jim Tohme, Hoagie, Jim Tohoagie, Jim, t- <laughs> Jim, yeah, Jim Tohme and Tom Hoagie. That's pretty good. <laughs> Zach LaVie Hodges, Zach Levine and Lee Hodges, and then Sep Strakim Noah, Joe Kim Noah, Sep Strak. Well done, solid. Mike, these look like uh, car-related mm-hmm. names to me because it's the BMW. Patrick can't lay off the gas. I wish. Can't lay off the brake. guy's so slow. <sighs> Sam Tire burns out. Sometimes he will burn you out. Max Uber take me home. Sure. Taylor more gas. Harris driving through the English countryside. What a What a nice... What a nice visual that is. Ricky something in the gas is Fowler and Lucas got my driving glovers on. You ever wear driving gloves Theo? No I've, well, when I lived in DC
1: it got really cold so I suppose I wore gloves, but they weren't driving gloves. And frankly when I got in the
0: car I would take the gloves off. So no is the answer. What is the what is the preferred like conditions for driving gloves? like a nice a, a brisk a brisk fall morning? Such a good question. It's just, yeah, I, 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 I'll never own driving gloves. I'm just <laughs> going to leave it at that. Next, Troy. Let's see what else we have. Ryan, the fantasy bunker, says fifty golfers at Olympia Fields. That's right. Forty sports at the Olympics. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> a few of my favorite Olympic events. Andrew shot Putnam. <laughs> shot Put. Rug, <laughs> Rugby and on. Rugby Ben on, Trampoline Hodges, Ski Woo Kim, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, <laughs> Adam Sphahensing and <laughs> Jay Karate
1: Poston. Very good. nice. He's the only one that dropped the uh, hashtag strokes gain narrative, by the way. All, all you other three are rookies. And by the way, uh, the marksman is on vacation. So apparently he was unable to submit a lineup.
0: Wow. I thought John Markowski was a no days off kind of guy. And that's kind of what I thought, too. Wow. 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 The model maniac has entered the chat with some car puns, car punctures. I don't get that.
1: I don't either. He's always like, Model Maniac, is, he always brings it, but there's like one little piece that's off. Like just, it's what makes it such a Picasso. It makes it, it makes it art. This is a good one though, by the way.
0: Hideki, no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Hideki, Floor, Matsuyama. So that's a hide, hide, hide key. One of those hide, hideaway keys. In the floor, Matt Tsuyama. Wow, yes. it's a two for one. <laughs> oh boy, backup camera, Davis, three-year Warren Tony Finau, Matt Fitz Cadillac can, catal- can, catalytic converter, Whew. Lucas glove box sunroof. Him. Wow, pretty good, not bad, pretty good. Is that all? I think okay. that's it. Okay. Those are all the narratives that we have. See ya. Uh, um, next week, tour championship, 30 golfers and starting strokes that we will have to dive into because of uh, if they do it the same way they've done it before, DraftKings will start you with the finishing position points and then it'll work itself out. So you might see, you might see salaries that are like, 14300 And you might see salaries that are like 5000
1: Yeah, interesting game theory at play there.
0: <laughs> Big thanks to producer Troy. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. You can find Sia on Twitter at Sia You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.
1: Streaming on Paramount Plus. Wait, Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready.
0: Mom go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PT 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.